selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Celebrity Book Club. CNN and MTV, all cameras focused on me. Helicopters up above, oh, what a travesty. There's a crazy world at war right outside of my front door. They're wasting time on me. I'm just a jailhouse baby. Oh, I'm singing so sweetly. Oh, jailhouse baby. Oh, no window to the world. I'm a little, I'm a little jailbird. Cold nights in freezing water, fluorescence always on. Stuck here behind this glass, my parents see their daughter. Judge, you're no celebrity. You're a desperate wannabe. Seems like you'd rather leave real criminals on the streets. All those lonely nights of terror. I thank you for your letters. Words from around the world for the lonely little jailbird. Thank you for doing the poetry snaps. Who's that knocking at the door? It's all your friends, you filthy whore. Your husband's gone, and we've got books and a bottle of wine to kill. It's Hollywood. It's books. It's gossip. I'm shook. It's memoirs. It's martinis. It's Studio 54. It's Celebrity Book Club. Come read it while it's hot. Celebrity Book Club. Tell your secrets, we won't talk. Celebrity Book Club. Boys are allowed. Celebrity book club. Say it loud and proud. Celebrity book club. Buzz me in. I brought the Cuervo. Hey, Hey, best best friend. friend. (laughs) Good morning, New York City. It is 36 degrees. There is traffic on the 405 coming out of Los Angeles. Please keep your arms and ears inside the plane at all times. Good morning, Los Angeles. (laughs) How are you? I hope you are drinking something fabulous, going to do something powerful with your day, saying affirmations and... All above doing your thing and listening to yourself. Green juice for the win. Hell yes. Are you doing a baby voice because you're nervous? <laughs> <laughs> I do my baby voice to mask some of the trauma, trauma that has gone on. I don't know if you know this about me, Stephen, but um, at eight years, <laughs> years old, I was diagnosed with uh, ADD. I did know that about you. I knew that you became a Ritalin and Concerta addict at a very young (laughs) age. Um, An addiction that still plagues you to this day. And it's all across America. Yeah. You know, we're diagnosing children. Right. Left and right. But 
Some children are not getting diagnosed. Yeah, and that's the real problem. More kids need to be diagnosed diagnosed. and medicated in this country. (laughs) I guess we should just get right into it. Let's get into it because we are doing, you know, we were just talking before recording. This is, I feel like, the first real book I've read in a while. Yeah, the first actual sort of, as we call in the media industry, the dead tree version that you got your little pause on. Yeah, big new release. Pages. Yeah, actual pages. Way to it. I mean, the Jackson, that was dead tree. And uh, to confess, the last few I've done on audio. Audiobook. But there's something so much more visceral about holding a book in your hands. And we here at iHeartRadio and Barnes & Nobles <laughs> want to offer you a special opportunity to go to your local bookstore and with code... And code shop with us. Code shop and with there's us. No dis- there's there, actually no discount. There's actually, it's actually more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's but a premium. With, with that, you can have us in your ears. It's a guided tour through a Barnes & Noble. <laughs> it's not actually even a book. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's just a tour of your favorite bookstore. No, but I, I do think that there's something great about having the page in the hand. And I've always said I love books because you can read at your own pace. You can flip back to a page and be like, oh, what was that thing? Thank you for saying that because especially it's hard for those of us who do suffer from ADD. And currently I am unfreaking medicated. Oh shit. I'll tell you that. So watch out <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Get in for a wild ride. Now we'll in a China shop over here. The reason here. why I'm talking so much about my diagnosis is because the person that we read this week is a sufferer and Sur- a survivor. survivor of ADHD. Yeah. She is more ADHD, whereas like I never really had the hyperactive problem. I'm a little more like the lazy kind, right. just straight up classic ADD. But you do love activities. Yes, and I'm always like tensing my muscles in certain like areas of my body. Okay, oh. <laughs> sorry. That... <laughs> Things got really awkward. <laughs> what parts well, of your body are you tensing not to like, cry? Okay, like I'll be like, I'm doing it right now. Like, I'll tense my, like, elbows, and then I'll, like, do it on my, like, calves and my feet. Huh. Have you ever tried to maybe shift that tension to your abdomen? Because that can maybe help you work on your core a little bit. (laughs) Okay, I have been, as you know, working out a little bit. Maybe this could be your superpower. Oh, yeah. But instead of having jacked elbows, you could have Well, you know, all my tensions, because I'm always trying to correct my eyesight and my elbows. So I need to, okay, I need to engage my core. Someone who is thin that we're about to talk about. Anyway, so yes, the person we're talking about does have ADHD. She was diagnosed not until her 20s. Because a lot of times women are not diagnosed because it's thought of as a boy disease. She is an icon. She invented the concept of celebrity, of modern celebrity, of influencing. You know her from... The simple life. You know her from her... Family, maybe um, you've heard of the hotel chain called Hilton. You may call her an heiress. You may call her a pop star. She's now the highest paid DJ in the world. Yeah, literally Ibiza. The and queen of Coachella. Now she is an activist for like schools for very bad children and, and how they of, need to be stopped. Yes, yeah, stopping the schools. <laughs> yeah, stopping the schools. Of course, um, we were talking about none other than Paris Hilton, Hilton in her, and her book. Brand new chart topping bestseller. My memoir. It, <laughs> no. The memoir. Paris, the memoir. The memoir. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with this title, The Memoir. Paris, The Memoir. Yeah, I mean, she knows. Yeah, There's Paris. only one Paris. There's only one Paris. We don't need to pretend. There's so much I want to get into. Yeah, let's just situate our listeners here. So the cover is sort of classic Paris. She's still in her very kind of like guess era. She's never really <laughs> left her guess era of like 2005, like, you know, that platinum blonde, lots of like <laughs> diamond heart shape, pink, 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 pink. That's so funny that you say she's never left her guess era. Because I feel like that is true. But I, reading this book, was like missing her Heatherette era. I mean, she was definitely being more, obviously, 2005 and rhinestones and bedazzled and like Von Dutch. And now she's being so like classic celebrities being like, can you believe we wear all that Von Dutch? And it's kind of like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. No, she doesn't shit on it that much. She is always like, Richie Rich was an amazing designer. No, and she stands Heatherette. But I guess I'm still being like this. It's very guess, yes. It's very guess. It's very princess. It's very pink. And she's looking. She's wearing like an eyelet dress, which is the classic like sexy, but I'm going to court dress. And her ears are actually crazy pointy. They're giving elf, Yeah. yeah. Um, so the cover is she's kind of looking slightly off. Like, what is she thinking about? And then in the back, she's doing one of my favorite poses. Like looking down glam. Pre- you're just yeah. like, oops, I'm looking down. And she's kind of holding her wrist like, 
like prayer looking down like this is crazy i'm just thinking about my life and my memoir and she's like against a mirrored background and so it's sort of like you know the themes of celebrity and the one's, selfie the self image and seeing yourself through the reflection of the media and that all that is present in this book so of course this book has made headlines around the world because she talks about her harrowing abuse at provo at provo and a series of Horrible schools for very bad girls. That and her, boys. And boys. Um, yeah, and all in between. That her evil parents sent her to. But this book is also not making as many waves for the fact that the entire book is framed around her ADHD. ADHD, which I was not prepared for. <laughs> okay, let me just read the very first sentence of the book. Dr. Edward Hallowell, author of Driven to Distraction, <laughs> says the ADHD brain is like a Ferrari with bicycle brakes. Powerful but difficult to control. My ADHD makes me lose my phone, but it also makes me who I am. So if I'm going to love my life, I have to love my ADHD. And then she goes on to like explain like the crazy life she leads because of her ADHD. And she's like, for example, I'll be in a huge technology meeting with the current husband and love of my life, my husband Carter. And she's like, oh, by the way, he's an absolute badass startup entrepreneur nerd hottie. <laughs> and then she goes on and she's like, da, 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 da. if we are in an 11-11 media board meeting talking about a contract and I go off on a tangent about a better tool from Promptu IG videos and how they tool could be styled, manufactured, and marketed in a really fun, accessible way and I could promote them via cross-promotional content. And what if the knob was like a little otter or a sloth or a kangaroo? Carter leans in to whisper in my ear, babe, not in a mean way, just to bring me back. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of just like, okay, so you're having thoughts. I mean, this gets into the whole not only overdiagnosis and overmedicalization of ADHD in our country right now, but also the over self-diagnosis where it's just like anytime people have a thought, they're just like, and that's my ADHD. And you see so many memes of being like, uh, yeah, what it's like to have ADHD. And it's someone with a thought bubble just being like, mm, thinking about like a Wikipedia page. And it's like, that's called thinking. Literally. I. It's literally called thinking. I cannot clap back at that enough as someone in my diagnosis. So I like went through my files when I was like cleaning up my parents' house. Oh my God. And like saw the what the freaking doctors like wrote about me in my early diagnosis. Yes. And it was this thing where it was like, I made they're like, Lily doesn't really like math. And like <laughs> that's why she's ADD. And it's like, yeah, I'm eight. <laughs> I don't gonna go love ahead and be math. Eight. Like, do I need to be taking like Ritalin every single day? Well, and so and Paris keeps framing She's literally a rich and famous hot teen who's like sneaking out of her hotel home at the Waldorf Astoria to go clubbing in New York at age 16. And you're just like, yeah, who she's, wouldn't? And she's like, it was because I had ADHD that I needed <laughs> yes. the stimulation of the club and all the sounds and the outfits of clubbers. And it's just like, actually, babe, like all <laughs> teens like want to be fabulous and you were rich and famous. So like, yeah, you wanted and to you go And you lived clubbing. at the Waldorf Hotel. And she's like, the couture of rave clothes really sparked my ADHD brain. I'm talking hot pink, glitter. I mean, the only thing that I will say is totally ADHD of her is her addiction to exotic pets, which we know, like, we know it's all also know so that. also so Justin Bieber and celebrity and just being like. Yeah, like, you need more and more and more. Yeah. There is a lot of this, like, very, and we'll get into the abuse, and obviously it's, like, it's truly some of the worst abuse that I've yes. actually, like, experienced reading one of these memoirs, and now I'm traumatized, but... The way that she frames every single decision and the entire arc of her life as being informed by this ADHD and like not like just kind of like brushing off any maybe accusation of like yes. fucking, uh, like consumption and consumerism and materialism. And it's just like it's a little insane. Well, and also especially because she blames her parents, but obviously because they have such an insane family, she tries to like. Be like, well, I didn't understand what they were going through. And it's like, I actually think we could blame the parents a oh, lot. A hundred percent. hundred percent more thought, instead of like your undiagnosed ADHD. I already thought that Kathy Hilton was kind of a monster after having watched full just a monster, few yeah. episodes of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But like now, now I'm, I'm full like, monster. No, I'm like, she is a monster. And Paris is really generous and forgiving, and I, I'm sure that's good for her sanity to not be, like, so angry at her mom. But like, I think she needs to do that. I also am still, like, not Team Nikki. 
I will say. Oh, Nikki is yeah, a I fucking think, stuck up, cold, yeah, cold ass, hearted, cold hearted bitch. And also like suck up, stuck up and suck up. Yeah. And obviously there's always that tension between any like duo. I think someone's going to be more wild and someone's going to be a little bit more uptight. But she has this sort of sneering judgment that I see coming through in this book a little bit that, again, Paris is very accepting of where I'm a little bit like, Nikki, Nikki you should have been so much more there for your sister as she was getting literally kidnapped in the middle of the night by her own parents and like thrown into an actual like abusive like like gulag for a year and a half. The kidnapping is horrible. So basically she's like clubbing. She also already was like sent to live with her grandmother and like they didn't really tell her why. Like they're always sending her away and she's like begging to move back with them in the Waldorf and like they won't even tell her which was like also so heartbreaking. Then she finally lives the Waldorf. She's begging Nikki to the club with her and Nikki is like, ooh, no. And also, by the way, Paris is not drinking. She said the high was clubbing. Well, she she drinks later. On. Obviously, like this is her book, so she's gonna make herself look as good she's as like, possible. I was just drinking Sprite and I was high on the music. Oh, she also frames the book by like the movies that are released and the songs that came out and like what happened, which is amazing. And she'll be like, That year the world changed. Talladega Nights two came out. I, <laughs> I really appreciate how there's the self awareness to like knowing that she is an element of pop culture and that everyone thinks of her and they think of the early two thousands. So she's just being like, Yeah. Ben Stiller was researching a movie about male models at the time. He came to like Junebug, like whatever, <laughs> like club in Times Square that doesn't exist anymore, was there. And he was interviewing some of us. Then like Stepdads 2 came out. Right. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I was always networking. Well, then this book is also very like Tumblr was launched in 2007 because she's always like interjecting like tech milestones because yes. she's like, I am a now tech I'm a entrepreneur techist. and like I'm so Ashton Kutcher and an investor. One of my favorite quotes in this book is in the beginning when she's talking about her grandmother and she goes, my grandmother never got to see me launch an NFT. Yeah. <laughs> Which is one of my regrets. No, I mean, too. that's yeah. so fucked up. Okay, so I guess before we get in to all, to, the, yeah, to all the abuse. A full thing about kind of like her early life and Kathy Hilton's early life, which I'm like sets up Kathy. Kathy Hilton was a Gerber baby. Was a Gerber baby. She was asked to be a playmate, denied it, was a model. Then Kathy Hilton had a gift store, gift and like boutique store called The Staircase, which is so insane and crazy. Like this... 80s. I'm just, it also sounds like just a gift store in Hilton that sells like a few dresses, like in a casino, you know what I mean? We sell three dresses from the brand like Abercrombie, Yeah. And a hat and Dasani. It's very one hat and Dasani. I mean, I feel like the Kardashian, like Kris Jenner had a store in a mall too before as like one of her many like businesses she was trying to get off the ground before it, they went into. Yes. Entrepreneur, like, entrepreneurship. I was thinking about the Kathy because she talks, Paris talks about, a lot about like partying with Kim and stuff. The Kathy versus Chris Jennerism of like moms. Cause like, you know, you'd be like, oh, Chris is evil. She put out Kim's sex tape. And then Kathy is like this but whole she different. Didn't, but it's like they're actually so opposite because Chris no. is all about ownership of one's image, which Paris like kind of one of the nervous books yes. is like her understanding that she needs to own her own image and that's why she kind of like invents the concept of the selfie and she has this I think quite actually very convincing theory that like the selfie ended like paparazzi culture in a way and if like you read we don't an have us- a princess Diana anymore like of that tragedy anymore because I mean yeah it's like, yeah if, if you, you read, read us, us now, Weekly now it's all just like reprintings of a celebrity's Instagram and quite frankly the Image quality is not as good. I know. It I makes, miss un, I, I, I miss the paps in that way and the shutter. But I was like, at first, like, oh, Chris is more evil than Kathy. But now I'm like, Kathy is more evil because Kathy was like always trying to hold them back. And Chris wasn't shaming Kim for like doing a sex tape. She's more just like, how can we spin this and like get you to be in front of it? Whereas right. like Kathy was just like, crying to herself being like how do I deal with it and then Paris is always like my mom was so like felt so bad about me being abused but didn't even know about the abuse that she couldn't get out of bed and I'm kind of like where is the accountability Kathy well and that's why have you seen in the headlines that one she didn't tell 
her mom that she was having a baby via surrogacy until they got the baby. And she gave her mom a purse to console her because Kathy is a completely like crazed narcissist. Yeah. Kathy is insane. Like I, it's like how you give like the little sibling or right. something like a present when someone else like gets well, something. You know, as I said on our cousin podcast, Sup. <laughs> Sup. <laughs> I think that Kathy has this complex because she like is the one who married into the Hilton family. And so yeah. she feels that she deserves all this credit from Kyle, from her sister Kyle, from Paris, from the rest of the family for being like, I'm the one who like got us the money. Like I'm the one who got us the Hilton name. And I deserve basically endless credit for that and zero accountability for like any choice I've ever made. And you all owe me your life and your career forever because of that. Exactly. And Kathy also like they are like really so Catholic in this way where she's just like always guilty and trying to still stay proper and not fabulous. She's like, yes, we'll be fab in L.A., but like never go out and I'm sending you to Catholic school and like yeah. not getting in front of like when she has all these things when she tells Paris that like blowjobs are beneath you and you shouldn't give blowjobs and you shouldn't have sex before marriage. And if you don't have sex before marriage, then men will be obsessed with you and then they will marry you. And it's so 50s. And Paris is kind of like. So that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to wait until marriage. And I think that also has to do with why Paris is so obsessed with animals, creating her own freaky family. Mm. Okay, I just want to read this part about, I had a whole community of rats named after all the people from <laughs> 90210. Luke, Tori, Jason, Shannon, Brian, Ian, Jenny, Tiffany, and Gabrielle. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Like rats, but domesticated cats are actually, rats, sorry, are actually very clean, sweet natured, and intelligent. I had a huge rat named Max who had enormous balls. One day when I was out in the yard cuddling Max, a ferret ran over to me and poor Max screamed this bizarrely loud scream with his little rat mouth wide open. And then he bit me. I dropped him. He ran off waddling up the driveway as fast as he could with his weirdly large balls <laughs> bouncing away. I started crying, not because I was hurt, but because I thought I lost him. Mm. Mm. Really, really beautiful. It reminds me when um, a friend of the pod, Lauren, in college, she got rats and she went to a rattery. You know, what's surprising about that, because I think of rats and I do think of queer folk, um, <laughs> because rats and ferrets are such queer pets and she has rats and ferrets and there's that that like school sleepover in the school gym oh, she where she a... comes in like the sexiest like Playboy Mansion like silk like pajamas Teddy and brings a ferret, ferret on a leash. And they're supposed to bring stuffed animals and she's like, bitches, I'm bringing a ferret. That's hot. <laughs> That's hot. And they were like, they send her home because she's like too sexy with her ferret and her it's like, like silk PJs. Camp icon. I mean, no, I mean she's an absolute icon. Because born, she's like you know David LaChapelle, Andy Warhol, John Waters. Like she always is creating like a photo shoot and like you know I feel like she's always been elevating queer creators and um, she's always like I made sure to like bring like weird, freaky, amazing creative folks with me like when I went to like Club Lala on Sunset. Um, Speaking of dogs, I'm just going to read the list of her dogs' names. Diamond Baby, Harajuku Bitch, Slivington, Ether, and Crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Crypto is so good. Because she is a blockchain queen. So she's <laughs> yes. naming her dogs Ether and Crypto. And also Slivington is another word that she quote invented it's the combination of slay and living when you're sliving sis <laughs> living i know it's like she is such an only fans gay in this yeah, way she's no. like i'm slivington bitch she's actually <laughs> such an only fans gay okay wait other quote i just want to read this is on page four of the book and this was when i was like oh this book is actually gonna be ham also, there's a real like fidelity to the concept of ADHD in this book where the actual book is structured in an ADHD way where she's always like consciously, almost like performatively like leaving the topic to be like, and that's the thing about going to Ibiza in 2009 while she's in the middle of talking about right. the abuse at the school. Kim Kardashian and I were making frittata and French toast <laughs> coated with frosted flakes for breakfast one morning. And she said, I don't know anyone who parties as hard as you do and looks as good as you do. Skincare, seriously. And then she just goes on a tangent about skincare. It's also the thing, it's like, yeah, obviously. And she's like, my husband will lay in bed and he knows skincare is the most amazing like thing. And it's so important to me. And it's like, yeah, like we know. Kind yeah, of I'm obviously. Just like, you're just like you're a rich Paris, girl. You're a rich and you're, girl. And you're like, just like slathering on serums. Frittata. Frittata singular. Also. Making frittata. Making frittata, isn't that? Mm, that's an interesting linguistics. 
or linguistic like, school with Lily. Should frittata be singular or plural? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, oh, we're making frittatas. Yes, we're making frittatas, or we had a frittata. Something I about do, we I are mean, making I mean, frittata sounds weird. I guess I would say because you're thinking it sounds like we are making tortilla, like it's like yeah. But I mean, frittata those, is those singular. two girls aren't making more than one frittata. They're making a frittata. <laughs> one frittata, yeah. But maybe you're right. They should say that we're making a frittata. Also, French toast coated with frosted flakes. That's a Peter Pan syndrome thing. Well, I, I also think that's like... Her being like, yeah, I do eat. I do eat and they have like one bite. It is very eating disorder <laughs> girl to just be like, yeah, I eat. I'm crazy. I'll have three bites of like four crazy hot dogs. And then like one of her ferrets like eats it. And yeah. then they're like, that was hot. Let's go. Yeah. I'm no, I'm a crazy monster. I'll like tear into one donut. <laughs> book club. It was that summer. That summer, I started using Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth makes elevated loungewear and amazing, luxurious, soft bedding that surpasses even the finest hotel sheets for a restful night's sleep on your travels or at home. I love Cozy Earth so much that I got it as a present for my spouse. And the things that happened on that bed, you wouldn't believe it. I got their joggers and oh my God, it almost feels like you're nude, better than nude. It feels like you're swimming in the most luxurious ocean. So stay cool and comfy during long flights with Cozy Earth's temperature regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew, adding mm, a touch of style to your travel ensemble. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code CBC at checkout to get 35% off. And let them know we sent you after checkout, okay? Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the abuse is crazy. So, like, first of all, she is raped by this guy that she meets at the mall, like, in L.A. Right, before. Before she, like, goes to this crazy school. Oh, and then she also has this creepy teacher who, like, tries to date her. And basically, like, her and the teacher, like, start messaging. And then it just, like, very fast. He just, like, is, like, what are you wearing? Right. And then he comes over and, like, makes out with her in his car. And then the parents come home and see them in the car. And then he, like, freaks out. And she's being, like... 
I thought it was like funny that he was like freaking out and he like drives me around the block and then he's being like, oh my God, I'm going to go to jail. And then he like drops her off and like pretends like it didn't happen. And then a classic, Very, I mean, this is really know. true thought, like who do they blame? Paris. I mean, they kind of just don't even talk about it at all. They like, he what like, she says in the beginning of the book, she's like, the Hiltons, our motto, don't talk about it. And they're just being so stiff upper lip and like fully Victorian about it. And she's just being like, and then I later realized that that like, wasn't that appropriate was and, and that, that actually was... was fucked up. Okay, so Paris has already like had some really fucked up shit happen to her. Then she's living in the Waldorf Astoria and she's like going out clubbing every night. And like Kathy's being so just like uptight conservative mom, just being like, I don't know what to do. My daughter's clubbing. And you'll be like, this is the end. And they also Paris asks to go very me style to a performing arts high school. And then they send her to Dwight at a minute. Like, that school in New Jersey, dumb white idiots getting high together. They are really acting like she's so crazy and like, yes, she's going out clubbing, but it's kind of like, as she says, I was always fine because I had a driver and the paparazzi, which is interesting. Like, yeah. She I wasn't mean, really at risk. She wasn't. I mean, obviously, so you don't want your daughter to be like so crazy and like you do need to set boundaries as a parent or whatever, but it's like teen sneaking out to just immediately then go to be like, Okay, we're going to send her to like a crazy hole. And this is where she's very understanding. The parents didn't realize that the school was this crazy. And I think that the school did have extremely good marketing and was like, we have amazing campuses and like, we're going to straighten your kids out. But it looked like a cell. It looked like a prison. Did you watch the doc? I did watch the doc. Okay, I will say I was shocked because the doc does not like actually detail the amount of abuse that the book does. And no. I came away from the doc being like, oh yeah, like that was intense. But like, she doesn't really explain like the full extent. Like it was insane. She was suffering beatings, like strangulation. Strip search. The, strip search. They're they basically were like doing like medical examinations where it's like, like sexual creepy assaults. guys like sexually assaulting her like and like putting their fingers her. up her ass. They were doing solitary confinement where they shove her into a cell. And just give her like tiny little shorts and they keep the cell at 50 degrees. Wait, I'm just gonna like describe and like trigger warning, like, this is really fucked up. This is like the solitary confinement cell at the Provo school that they sent her to after she's escaped like 18 times. OBS, which is sort for observation, was an oddly shaped cinder block chamber. Not square, not circular, a hexagon maybe, about the size of a public restroom stall. There was nothing in there except a bucket and a roll of toilet paper on the cement floor near a drain hole. In the light of the open door, I saw blood and feces smeared on the wall. When the door slammed shut, the only light filtered through a small window with wire mesh inside the glass. It was freezing cold. They took your underwear and bra when you went into OBS so you couldn't use them to kill yourself. It's so terrifying. When I read that, I was like, this book does turn into like a just like horrific thriller in this way. It it is like a really terrifying thriller. She is literally Houdini. She escapes from multiple different schools like four different times and is actually like so badass about it. There's one time you're like, am I watching like a crazy... She escapes and like hides in a shaft above a diner. Yeah. And she calls her aunt She calls Kyle Kyle and is like, can you pick me up? Oh, and this was also after many times like when she finally gets a phone call to her parents, she's like, you don't understand. You don't understand, like, you need to get me. They're abusing me. And they're like, this is good for you, Paris. Again, she's very generous to Kathy, just being like, well, they were brainwashed by the school's promotional materials and they're told not to believe your child because your child's going to try and make you come get them. But like, this is for their own benefit, so don't believe their stories. And then, of course, after multiple times of her running away, then, like, the school tells her parents, like, she's even worse and she needs even, like, more discipline. I just can't imagine. I'm sorry. I, you know, I've never been a parent and I've never been the wife of the Hilton fortune. Yes. But I just can't imagine your child telling you all this and you just deciding not to believe them and to continue to put them in this position that clearly they're so upset by that they are escaping, running out in the wilderness, like shoeless desert of Utah. Also, even the biggest red flag is the phone privileges are so prison-like. Yeah. Like she's not even granted ability to call them till like two months later. Like I remember, you know, when I went to camp. Trigger warning. Trigger warning when I went went to (laughs) summer camp in Western Massachusetts. They have this thing called Dad's Weekend where the dads come and then the moms get like a couple hours on Sunday to like come hang out with their sons. And like this kind of 
really sexual. Well, you're not fucking. It's not so MILF manner. <laughs> I'm just like, mom's got one hour. Okay, go on. It's not a conjugal visit. <laughs> but it's just the moms are like so excited to see their sons after two weeks. And I'm just like, you know, your parents are writing you letters. I'm just a little bit like the fact that the parents are not even concerned that they're only getting to talk to their daughter once every month. And the daughter's like crying, being like, please come get me. And then the line's going dead. And that's not a red flag. And they're like, no, she's being taught discipline. So this is also so scary how this is set up. The children are not allowed to talk about anything until rap session. This part was so Scientology. And it's so Scientology basically where you go around a room and are supposed to like confess everything, scream at everyone and like insult each other for 12 hours till you're like crying. And then after that's over, you're all supposed to creepily cuddle. Yeah. And this crazy cuddle puddle and called just- smooshing. The objective of rap to force a person past the last jagged inch of what they can stand. You'd like to think you'll sit there and be tough or yell back or walk out or whatever. But there were beefy Imperial Marine throwback standing guards all around. So people ended up like saying that they like raped their cousin or like killed a cat. And she was like, most of these kids like didn't do that. But like they just you have to come up with something that everyone can grab onto so that they can insult you about it so that you can then cry and then they can move on and start insulting another kid. And then so people start like screaming at you. Who do you think you are? You got kicked out of like every school in the world. You stupid spoiled. You left me with just when I needed you fucking stupid lazy bitch. You think you're all that. Your family hates you. Toxic fucking influence on your siblings. They don't give a crap about you. Stupid spoiled fucking lazy stupid spoiled bimbo. Twisted. And, you know, of course she did internalize that. And she talks about that. The book being like, I did internalize the idea that my parents hated me and they abandoned me in this horrible place. And that, like, I deserved this. But she is a survivor. She's a survivor. And so one of the her most thrilling times of, like, escaping is she escapes. She gets on, like, literally just a Greyhound bus in a wig. Yeah. It's so the O's. And she's like, we stopped in Chino. And she, like, escapes with this girl, Mouse. And then she apologizes to this girl. And I'm like, where is this girl now? Okay, yeah. So she's like, they're at a Denny's in L.A. They've and, made it to L.A. And it's like, she's just been missing. Like, her parents don't know where she is. And they're hiding out at her friend's house. But she's like, I have to go somewhere else because someone's going to recognize me. And so she, like, leaves the girl some cash. They're like, at Denny's, she gives her all the cash she has. And then she sneaks out the back of the Denny's and ends up getting the plane ticket to Connecticut to her, like, other friend's house where she's staying Biff. with them. But she literally leaves this girl and she goes... Over the decades, I've tried not to think about that skinny little girl in the huge, unforgiving city. When I think about the most likely fate of a kid like her, it makes me want to throw up. I was trying to save her, and I ended up throwing her to the wolves. I pray that she found someone who was better able to help her than I was. Like, this is so crazy just to think that, like, Paris Hilton, who we all think of as, like, superficial. Like, the fact that she has this story, that she helped a girl escape, like, an abusive prison school for children. Then got had, them wigs. Got them wigs. Then had to abandon this girl at a Denny's so that, like she could escape because she literally couldn't keep taking this, like, 16-year-old girl along with her. And her friend was like, you can't bring her here because then, like, I'll be on the hook for kidnapping. For kidnapping, which is, is, like, also true. So she had to leave this girl, and it's just like, what if that girl literally, I don't know, you know, got sold into sex slavery or is now dead, and God only knows. It's possible. I mean, when you watch the doc, it's like a lot of those other people, like Paris is, like, the most probably emotionally well off because of you know her financial support system for sure yeah and a lot of them are pretty fucked up so you know paris the high voice that we all know her for that is like her performance yeah it's like she actually has a low voice yeah she has like kind of a draggy voice yeah it's a little more like husky and she says in this book which i was like god that is so true she says i've always been a performance artist And her life is performance art. And of course, she's the original. And like, she's quite aware of her role in inventing influencer culture. And, you know, she frames it as this thing where she's like, I saw that I was going to parties and people wanted me to be a social figure. And I figured like... I had them pay me for it. Yeah. I think the traditional kind of view of fame has always been like, you cultivate fame so that you can get, you know, quote, real jobs, unquote. And then she was like, this cultivation can be something you get paid for in and of itself. And like you know, monetizing my image and taking control of my image. And she like, kind of invented being an the it girl. And an being influencer. an it girl. And she talks about like going from it girl to influencer. But, you know, there's also an interesting thing with this book where I think there's a real like dichotomy between clearly the ghostwriter's voice and Paris's actual voice. Because Paris's actual voice, I feel like, is 
little harder to find. There's like occasional times when stuff gets really millennial and she'll be like, uh, yeah, I'm going to New York because shopping. But it's like, I feel like this is so Paris. Puffy and I were hanging out at our camp at Burning Man last summer. And he said, we're the OGs and we're killing it more than ever. No, okay. Those lines when she's like, okay, that's Paris. So like this part, though, I feel like is very not Paris. You're talking about Marilyn Monroe. And I feel like this is the thesis for the whole book. Given the choice between victim and influencer, Marilyn and I embraced our siren selves. And I'm kind of just like, I feel like maybe Paris in her day to day isn't being like talking about like embracing the role of siren. No, she's a little more, I think she is kind of affirmation and just like is talking about like my life as a rock star. Yes. ADHD survivor. Like she speaks, I think, a little more in poetry. Um, Yeah, she's not doing like, for example, this is Paris. That summer I saw the movie Big Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) And she realizes that like there's a scene in Big Daddy where like he tells the kid to wear sunglasses that makes him feel invisible. I was immediately like, yes, that works. That's why I always need my sunglasses with me night or day. And that's what was in my heart when I did a line of Y2K-inspired sunglasses with Quay, a brand yes. led by women, with a big chunk of the money going to Project Glimmer, a nonprofit dedicated to instilling confidence in forgotten girls. It's like, okay, no, now, now I've seen the Paris Yeah, it's like untrue. I want to talk about Simple Life for a moment. Literally the best show. One of the most iconic shows. Shows ever. I would say that show changed our lives. And I love When it came out. Like, they were so fucking funny on that. Yeah. I will say The Simple Life was, like, so much to compare to, like, Jerry Springer for a second, which I will say was, like, you know, exploitative of the rural community. Yeah. This was, like, the people, Paris says that they were staying with were, like, in on the joke. Yeah. They were, like, in on all the pranks. Her and Nicole were, like, so hilarious. She was, like, we were literally, like, laughing 18 hours a day. And she talks a lot about this time of, like, Sarah Silverman and, like, Dave Letterman, like, making fun of her. And, the yeah. comedians. And it's, like, that was the time of, like, people being, like, oh, Paris Holton, reality TV. Like, that's for losers. Yeah. Like, that's and for, like, self-absorbed were sowing the seeds of this very podcast by rejecting the notion of the, the guilty, guilty pleasure. pleasure. And we were, like, no, we can both ironically but unironically enjoy this culture and realize that there's a generosity of spirit there. Which I'll say to this day, it's like, I was not watching Comedy Central Sarah Silverman stand up. Like, what Paris and Nicole were doing was like, so I much fucking funnier. I did think that Sarah Silverman was hilarious when I saw Jesus is Magic. No, I mean, that. loves it. We're not knocking. Yeah, but, and then Sarah does actually apologize. I'm just saying like, that was comedy gold and I feel like The Simple Life is not recognized enough for being like but she also I love that she is so proud of it and says that people get that it's good I feel like A it's it's generation defining it's iconic that show has I think there's seeds of today's like modern kind of almost like nihilism and like Twitter like e-girl aesthetic in there because there's an intentional ditziness that yes. is readably intentional. Well, that's you, her whole that's watch, hot, like, high and voice you kind thing. Of, and I think what she was able to get across even if people even couldn't articulate it at the time, was that she was playing a character and she was doing it for laughs. And there was also this kind of like refusal to condescend. I think it was like the typical liberal thing about like going to Arkansas today would be people being like, wow, it's so sad that they live like this and can we build these people up in this sort of queer eye notion of like how they would they would right, deal like, with that family. Oh, we're just gonna like give you like a sad live laugh love reno. Right. Whereas like Paris and Nicole were being like, we're gonna make out with these like Hawkeyes and then just like accent like get wasted like Wait, that at was this random town bar. Insane. One of the guys she like makes out with on the simple life, she goes, and now he's a finance executive at Netflix. Oh, yeah. How awesome is that? <laughs> Can I say also, so she talks about the iconic photo of her, Lindsay, and... Bimbo Summit. Bimbo Summit, like one of the most iconic photos of all time. And she talks about it being iconic. So the next day, the iconic shot of Brittany, Lindsay, and me ran on the cover of the New York Post with the words Bimbo Summit and gigantic type under her faces. I didn't love the wording, but my bangs looked super cute. How often can you nail that, really? Bangs were tricky. The pap was right. It was an instant classic. All these years later, I still see the pictures on t-shirts, posters, birthday cards. My favorite is the fold-out laminated sunshade that goes inside your windshield when it's hot. It's like I instantly 
I was like, yes. Went to AOL.com. Oh, and, and tried to buy. I want the sun As insert. a car owner. Yeah, as a car owner, I want that for it my just, car. It made me think she's literally the opposite of Prince Harry because Prince Harry would just be oh, like. He's like, the paparazzi. The paparazzi. Oh, after me. They're so disrespectful to me and my wife. How dare they print those things about when us. When it's like, this is an example of how I feel like so much, but I love the way she deals with her sex tape that was, you know, put out by like the gross girls gone wild guy. She says, if I was to put it out, this is what I would <laughs> yeah, do. It's so funny. The lighting would have been better. I would have had proper hair, makeup and wardrobe. The camera angles and editing would have been way more flattering. I wouldn't have packaged it like a sleazy, low budget piece of garbage. I would have not have had the poor taste to dedicate a porn flick to the victims of a terrorist attack. Seriously, what the actual fuck does that even mean? Because I guess like... Uh, yeah, the, the opening dedicated... title, it says like this is for the victims of 9-11, which yeah. was like a troll at the time. Right. Have you ever seen that? I have. And here I am. I'm coming to the white table and saying I did seek out and I watched that I remember online. watching it when it first came out. Yeah. I'm sure we maybe even viewed it together. And it's like grainy and she's like giving it's a blowjob. He has a huge, huge. talk. Which I mean, is really... that's awesome. So... Rick Solomon. What an asshole. Okay, wait, we do have to go to segments, but there's two things I wanted to briefly discuss. One, do you remember that we did go to like a Nikki Hilton bag signing once? Like yes. at Macy's in downtown Crossing. Yes. And again, she was being such a cold bitch. And like I hate Nikki. Three, do you remember my radar magazine? Yes. Like poster I had and it of, said B-list nation. Yeah. That I how had. screwy second rate stars are taking over the world. I remember oh, wow. that poster like it's burned Damn. into my memory. That was and in we your took that house. From somewhere. Yeah. Radar. There was kind Radar of Radar magazine. A, that sassy, kind of snarky gawker of its moment. And in the documentary, she says, like, oh, just like, well, Nikki was younger and she didn't really going on. I'm sorry if my older sister was like clubbed and dragged away. Yeah. And sent like to a crazy school in Utah, I would be raising hell with my parents and I would be like, what the fuck? And I feel like Nikki didn't say a anything. Word. And she's so cold in the dock. Oh, God. She's frigid in the dock. I mean, she married a Rothschild. Like, yeah. She's uptight. She's kind of like the Ivanka. No, yeah. Yeah. She's the Ivanka. It's kind of like, get up, up your own ass, bitch. I don't know. And like, I feel like Paris is always like, Asking her to do things and like, oh, because she, she asked Nikki to do the simple life. And she goes, no, that's not classy. So one other thing is this story that I have remembered from 2005 or 2006 when I was living in New York City as an up and coming it girl myself. <laughs> and uh, at, at a Gallatin? Yeah. City was your campus? City was my campus. <laughs> New York is crazy. Um, a friend of mine had a drug dealer mm. and the drug dealer also dealt to Paris. Okay. And there was a story, and now this is like hearsay times two, so whatever, don't sue me. But it was like, she apparently got into the drug dealer's car and it was when she was on the cover of Vanity Fair about to get married to that other guy named Paris. Stop. No, remember oh. she was engaged to a guy named Paris? Yes. And Paris there was going to be the Paris and Paris wedding. And she was on the cover of Vanity Fair in a wedding dress and it was like, wearing white her way. <laughs> and apparently she was like brandishing the cover, being like, I'm on the cover of Vanity Fair and was like, demanding drugs which I guess what you do when you're meeting your drug dealer <laughs> yeah. and she was getting like coke and pot or whatever obsessed yeah and pot actually helps her with her ADHD ADHD same just two things before we go to segments one how Carl the Carl's Jr. ad did help her reclaim her sexuality same. two she like kind of it's just so sad but like kind of beautiful how now she can like have sex with her husband but she was just like I literally like couldn't come for years or just like have sex because I was like so traumatized. Yeah. Three, she didn't vote. <laughs> I obsessed <laughs> when she was just like, like, I once told someone that I voted for Donald Trump, but honestly, I didn't. I didn't vote. I was like, thank you for saying that. Please be honest about not voting. I remember seeing her on TRL wearing a John Kerry as a rock star tee. <laughs> and I think I you could that. like buy them at Urban Outfitters. And I remember being like, okay, word, Paris. You're like, question. I was like, bar. one of those things as a teen, you're kind of like, I don't know if I'm buying this. Really one. buying this from you, babe. And then last thing is that she's like, look, a lot of people say I invented the selfie. But actually, the Grand Duchess Anastasia <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in like in 1924 invented the selfie. And it's like, give credit where credit is due. Yes, mama. Celebrity Book Club. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That segment. What does she eat? What does she wear? What does she love? What does she eat? Well, do you remember the part where... Frosted Flakes. Um, when she's like, me and Demi Lovato both love Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. No, I literally, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to get to this. And in my notes, I have like, Demi Lovato's bed is covered in Taco Bell pillows. Well, Taco Bell is the hot girl fast food, along with In and Out and Shake Shack. Because they're just like very. It's LA. like hot. It's very LA. Like LA's girls, like it's like cute for them. Have you noticed that like, to be like I'm fucking ridiculous? Like it's a Baja Blast culture. Like yeah, yeah, I know so stupid i'm actually like sorry a taco bell is gross okay yeah i don't agree i think it is hot girl culture and i am a hot girl who loves a crunchwrap supreme so why don't you take yourself back to your new york city bodega (laughs) and i know that like maybe like new york hot girl culture is more like bodega and more like you know flaming hot cheetos and whatever yeah and it's like less actually going to a full fasted restaurant and like McDonald's is more just like late night wasted culture. Yeah, McDonald's is like too general or something like that. Like there's something like LA and like fun of this like fantasy of like being Can like I girls posit a and a theory, which is I think that actually maybe real hot girl fast food is Burger King. Because Burger what? King is so nasty and random, it shows that you're like actually not eating fast food that much. And you're just like, wait, what? I can't co-sign on that. <laughs> I mean, maybe in 20 years we can get there. <laughs> but I've never heard of a hot girl bragging about Burger King. She also talks about, she's like, yeah, no, I am like a Catholic. And so is my husband. 
<laughs> like, okay. And again, invention of the e-girl because now she's yes, so like trad girl, trad calf e-girl about it and being this kind of like this sort of like generous, like apathetic nihilism where you're like, I am going to have fun with everybody and be chill, but also I'm a Catholic. And now I think she's really like weed and kin euphoric, like is more sober. She's definitely Cali sober. For right. sure. And I'm sure she has like 18 different gummy lines with Gigi Hadid. Yes. And like different little like sparkling How beverages. does she live? As I said, she's still in her guest era and it's still so pink. And like Club Paris and mini dog houses and like Ether and Crypto have their own like miniature palaces within her palace. Well, and she said that her husband Carter, quote unquote, cured her clubitis, which is a phrase I love. I do love You're that. kind of actually, I was thinking of you. I was like, you're a little like former clubitis. You're coming out of your clubitis era. I am queen of my clubitis era and now I'm no longer needing to like go to 18 different parties. Yeah. You're like in your restaurant era, less clubitis. So <laughs> she's made... When are we going to cure my restaurantitis? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. So now she's a little more just like, I've made a club in my house. Also, she like definitely segues throughout her house. I think her house, I mean, her house is obviously like so built in 2005 and then like renoed in 2016. And it to is me, it's being like a so, lot of closets. It's so closets. I feel it's like it's ev- only closets. every room has like 60 outlets. Like yes. the amount of outlets well, in she this has, house. She has seven phones. One for, wait, oh, this wait, is amazing. Wait, Hold on, we have to ask. One for personal, one for work. One, one for Europe. <laughs> one, yeah, one for Europe, one for texting, just texting. One for she's wants to give her phone number to someone but isn't totally sure yet. Oh, and one for prank calling. Oh, that was, a, that's that was the, the best, best part. Yeah. <laughs> this is the fun part where she does say about Kathy, where she was like, I learned the art of prank calling from my mom and I didn't know actually how goofy my mom was till she went out of the housewives. And she can do, like, really good voices. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like, again, she's just kind of being nice to her mom in this way. I think she's still terrified of her mom. I think there's part of her that's always... Well, that is so terrifying to say, like, I didn't know my mom could be funny until I saw her on Housewives. I I think she's so self-conscious about how bad this book makes her mom look that she's packed it with, like, a lot of compliments about Kathy. What does she wear? Okay, wait, the part in the beginning when she was like, yeah, I was wearing rude message tees from Gadzooks. (laughs) So I I found a Gadzooks tee on Etsy. And it's like a ringer tee with a picture of a turtle. And it says, nothing wrong with a little junk in the trunk. So it's like the message is not that rude. It's just pretty like Urban Outfitters era. No, I would say she like was wearing She's very those tees that said like, Jesus is watching, look busy. I mean, I feel like she was Jesus is my homeboy era. Virginia's for lovers. Yeah. And now she's just being like tracksuits only because she's always DJing. I love in the, the documentary... She's always having to like, grab her laptop and be like, wait, where is my laptop? Oh, and she goes, this is why I'm saying her house is so closet. She goes in that room and there's like 30 laptops. And then she's always like throwing laptops out. And then like her ex-boyfriend is like stealing her laptop and she's like, kick him out. Yeah, because she needs that to DJ. And honestly, you do need that to DJ. I will say like I came away from this book believing that she's actually a DJ because yes. well, she's, always, she's like, always talking about music production in a pretty specific way. She's like, oh, and then by the late 90s, like pop music was becoming like a lot cleaner on the production side. And actually like Baby One More Time was a really interesting album because of like how like electronic and and clean the I mean babe I've always believed were. she's a real DJ I mean you know we have a good friends with DJ I think we're familiar with DJing a lot of DJing is pressing play as I mean, you know in the way that like some celebrities are, are fully like, just press play yes. on a pre-recorded set. And like and half her job is truly DJing. She's like, yeah, I'm just going to play Ibiza for like an entire month. Like, yeah. She has much more residency at a club. And I will say, I think that she is making a set like on Ableton or Logic before. And then she's not really like picking the songs on the fly when she's doing like some of her sets. And then she's just doing some like knobbing throughout. But she's still like, Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, sat together yeah, I don't know how much it's like Wicca Wicca. I'm just saying like her passion for the true residency is, is real. Is her, real. Yes. Passion for DJ And her passion is for beats is real. Um, who are in the book? Yeah, I'm Paris because we're just like two ADD chicas like living I, our life. I actually wrote, I think that your Paris is a child when she's cutting out editorials yes. from Vanity Fair and Vogue <laughs> and putting them on her wall because your childhood bedroom was covered collage. in collage. <laughs> no, that is so true. We're like huge collage artists. I really like the part where she's talking about David LaChapelle and she uses the term inflection point 
And she's talking about that whole era of David LaChapelle doing all of these like photo shoots. And like she does the shot of her in, um, they like sneak into the this Hilton mansion. So epic. And she like gives a fuck you to the camera. And it's like a fuck you to the Hilton dynasty. And he says, and he she, says, fuck you first. Yeah. And it makes her say fuck you. But I think David LaChapelle is like. You think you're David LaChapelle? Well, no. But I, I do think that she gets at something which is like, Coulter does need these gay men who like are so into like female diva worship that helps society like understand like women that they would have dismissed or thought of as superficial and embrace them in a way. And I see it now with like Mike White and like Jennifer Coolidge where it's like, we do kind of need no, our gay need, men to ooh. hold up women. And even though, Andy they, Cohen. <laughs> even though they are Andy Cohen, even though they are like also like superficializing them in a way, they're also celebrating them and giving them an interior and like a narrative in a way that like society needs, whether it realizes it or not. I'm so glad you said we need gay men. <laughs> that was needed. Elevate that. We're going to end the pod on that one. <laughs> but yeah, I guess you are a little David LaChapelle, though, because like you are a little mischievous in that way where you would like, be like tell no, a girl. No, let's break let's into your care. parents' house. And you'd be like, why do you care? You're literally Paris Hilton. No, I mean, that's so me being like, why do you care? Why do you even care? Like, oh, you're so scared. And be like, I don't know. It's my grandparents. And you'd be like, oh, because you're such a like grandma lover yeah <laughs> <laughs> so there you go your iconic photographer so, okay. i'm gonna go ahead and say i give this book actually 3.8 tiny pomeranians out of five i think like there's a ton of incredible content i mean like her escaping from abuse school is like so thrilling, so thrilling. And impressive and like she is this real survivor and she's not just slapping a survivor narrative arc onto like a regular story, which some celebrities do. Like there is so much meat here. I give it four ferrets out of five. And I think to what you're getting at is like the writing of it, like you feel you are there with her and it's yeah. so detailed. It's kind of not just like it was bad, bad, yeah. bad. Move on. This is what I learned. Like, you're in there in solitary confined with her. It's the bus. But then it's also like kooky parentheses. Ultimately, though, there is a sheen over this book that is very Paris Hilton, but that's over the documentary as well, where you're still never really getting to the core. I mean, the, you never will. the glaring omission to this book is the fallout with Nicole Richie. And she just speaks about Nicole very positively and like loves the simple life. But then kind of after the simple life, there's just no mention of her. And it's like, this is like maybe the one of the most important relationships of your whole life and career. And you're just not going to mention it at all. I think Nicole said, I read somewhere or heard Nicole said, Paris and I are like friends from high school. We'll always be friends. We don't have to talk every week or say every month or even every year. Yeah. But like we'll always go back to that place, which is just like, yes. I literally was stomping to the iHeart Studios to Jealousy on her famous album, Stars Jealousy, Jealousy, Jealousy. It's such an evil thing. Just about Nicole. Which is technically about Nicole. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I want more of that dirt. I want more about her and Kim. Also, she's very positive to her early 2000s girlies. Brittany, Lindsay, she's not going to like drag them in because this is her story, not theirs. And, you know, she, I think, like doesn't want the stories about the book to be like negative talking shit about other women. So it's like I did see one story about her one page about pink being just like right. Paris Hilton drags pink like in her book. And so she didn't want that to be she the narrative. She knows what's going to happen. Yeah. But there is a big... A gloss. A gloss. And that's what maybe notches it down for me a little bit. But overall, really, really interesting Really read. fun read. Yeah. I would actually recommend. Yeah. So, um, that's hot. That's hot. Best. Best. This really hot episode of Celebrity Book Club was produced and edited by Darby Masters. She's like really cute, really hot, like wears like tons of really cute dresses. Um, we met um, actually at Catholic school. The supervising producer and editor is Abu Zafar. He's like this crypto king. I don't even know like how he does it, but he's like a crypto genius. The executive producer is Christina Everett. We met at the Neon King campus iHeart Lounge at Coachella. She's awesome and really hot. Bahid Frazier does the engineering. We met um, in Ibiza DJing. You should hear his mixes. The theme song was by Stephen Phillips Horse. He's like this rad pop producer. We met on a Heatherette. 
photo shoot and he's really hot the artwork is done by teddy blanks um you can check out his work like all across in the nft space and the metaverse um and he's really hot uh, this podcast was co-created with a really hot production company called prologue projects uh you should join our patreon if you want to be hot patreon.com slash cbc the pod it's only five bucks a month or you can get a token we're working on that and leave a review on itunes which is a really cool program and website bye it's like the police knew who he was before they got here from iheart podcasts the medical school dean at usc was leading a secret double life Breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.